Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. For more information, you can visit the Cinema Catch-Up Club's official Facebook page. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Or you can visit our website, thoughtjarproductions.com. This podcast is available on iTunes and SoundCloud, and we would really appreciate your subscriptions there, so pick your service of choice. For more information about this and other podcasts we produce, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. And now, for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this episode of the podcast series where we watch films that you should have seen by now. And it's 2019! Happy New Year! Year. (laughs) Yes, and as you can hear, uh, we have guests, as always, for a brand new year of film watching. Now, we are in the home of Mr. Justin Mosel-Crossley. How are you doing, Justin? Yes, hello, I'm good. Just uh, finishing up a rather hectic crisis. Crazy week, uh, which could work in either context that we're talking about now. But yes, yes. <laughs> I, I, I've been quite busy <laughs> and now I'm going to take a well-earned break and watch some movies. Exactly. And uh, Rihanna Hall, you are the other guest. Hello. Hello. How you doing? We're good. Now, the reason I bring up who our guests are is simply because uh, you may occasionally hear in the background the uh, infantile screams of <laughs> Lily Mosel Crossley, your daughter, yes. um, who will, around the time of the release of this episode, be turning one. Yes, that's very so, true. Yes, it will be very close to her birthday. If not, well, I mean, when does the, when when are we releasing it? Well, we, we <laughs> should <is> we <laughs> should point out to, to those listening at home that this episode is actually being recorded in November two thousand and eighteen. Oh, I was going to keep it up. We're projecting <laughs> ourselves. So, yeah. Yes. No. Uh, yes. The, I the, thought my happy New Year was pretty convincing. I tell yes, you what, I, I bought could it. Definitely feel that festivist cheer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, the first couple of episodes of this year are being recorded because uh, I'm away. So um, we thought we'd get them all done in advance. And because it's January, we're going to do what we did last year, and that's do a month of Australian films. So obviously January is the month in which the national holiday of Australia Day currently resides. So we figure this is a good time to look at some Australian cinema. Uh, Lily's excited, and she'll be even more excited to find out that today's viewing, that she probably won't be allowed to watch because of age restrictions, (laughs) is 1979's Mad Max. That's right, we're going to the original Mad Max. Justin, you have not seen Mad Max. No, I really don't have a hell of a lot of context except for all of the pop culture references to Mad Max. So, like, maybe Rick and Morty can help me out. I'm not sure. Like, <laughs> they, they might be able to. They, that's pretty much the gist of it. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Cool. So, I'm just thinking like apocalyptic cars are involved, and I'm assuming like low budget because of the first one. Bang, bang, and bang. bang. You, you got it. it. You, you cool. got it there. Cool. I mean, like, why do I even need to see don't the film now? To... What did <laughs> you <Yes>. think? <laughs> like, maybe, you know, <laughs> see, see Mel Gibson doing some good acting, I guess. I don't know. Is he good? Who knows? We'll see. Indeed. Well, R- Rihanna, um, you're, you're a bit more familiar with the Mad Max franchise. Yes, correct. Uh, what, aside from what Justin is expecting, uh, is there anything else you feel he can expect from this film? Um, I think, I mean, to be honest, I think you kind of described it quite well. I think, yeah, low budget um you know like massively low fuel supply and this like apocalyptic Mm. and it's just kind of about you know what people will do 
mm-hmm. for basic things that we're so used to now, like fuel and stuff. Mm. So. Fuel's a bit similar though, like with fuel prices recently. Like yeah. I feel like some people are yeah having to scrounge to, to to get them cars going. I mean, we are recording this like a month in advance. Maybe by the time we get to January 2019, Ooh, oh no, this yeah. will be this will be the case. So we'll be prepared. I mean, like fuel today is like 127. <laughs> yeah. I got. Mm. I was pretty happy yeah. with that. Uh, yeah. yeah, just enjoy it while you can. Yeah, yeah. I'm mm-hmm. gonna be stocking up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And um, I, I suppose, like, given that you've seen a couple of the Mad Max mm. films, um, do, do you enjoy them? Like, are they uh, good? Yeah, I think I, I enjoyed uh, Fury Road mm. a lot more than I um, had enjoyed the, like, original ones, I suppose. But um, I don't know, maybe, like, a revisit to it might change that. Certainly. And uh, for those of you who may be new to the series, first of all, welcome. Uh, we, we've got a big back catalogue for you to enjoy. Uh, go to episode 67 for our review of Fury Road. So uh, you mm-hmm. can do a, a bit of a double bill if you want. So with all that said, shall we watch some original Mad Max? Let's do it. Yeah, sounds good. Engine's ready. Yes. All right. For those of you at home, pop in your DVDs and prepare to fight for fuel as we watch Mad Max. While Stephen and his guests are watching the film in question, I'm just going to take this moment to tell you about another project from Thoughtjar Productions. It's a science fiction radio play series called Atlantis, and it's available to download right now. All you have to do is go to www.atlantisradioplay.com, click the Listen Online tab, and you can listen online or download up to seven episodes of original science fiction content from Thought Jar Productions. That's AtlantisRadioPlay.com. And now, back to the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching Mad Max, the original from 1979. I'm joined by Rihanna Hall. Hello again. And Justin Mosel-Crossley. Salutations. Yes, and uh, the delightful uh, sound you can hear in the background is home cooking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, happening with uh, Claire Mosel-Crossley. Claire, al- also a guest uh, on the podcast. Do you want to shout hi? Hi. <laughs> Excellent. And uh, we also have uh, Lily, who is here, and um, we-, we didn't have her watching the film. <laughs> Uh, we very carefully made sure she had lots of toys whilst we watched this uh, quite violent, uh, yeah. Yeah. just a little bit in- interesting, low-budget, yeah. semi-post-apocalyptic look at Australia. Of blood and gore, though. Like it was, mm. it was a lot of just like bits and pieces flying everywhere. Yeah. Not much gore. It was a lot of implied violence. Yes, indeed. Um, yeah. a, a simpler time. Yeah. Well, I think I, I think that's an interesting point to to begin with. Is is how much of what happens in this film happens out of shot um a lot of very effective imagery was created but it was yeah exactly lily agrees very effective imagery (laughs) but it was also relatively simple stuff things like when um you had the motorbike running over uh jesse and sprog you didn't see that you had like a couple of quick shots beforehand of like the bikes and of Jesse running and of her Just turning right and reacting. Here. Yeah. And then, well, I, in fairness, I think that's kind of what you have to do. <laughs> about this. The movie, yeah. But then <laughs> the shot immediately after that running over is the bikes driving off into mm. the distance and some extra, just um, some 
crew <laughs> member just throwing like a toddler's shoe and a ball and we watch them roll down the road for about 10 seconds. Maybe made a props thrower um, credit in the film credits if we'd had a look. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he was throwing pigeons, he was throwing oh, all yeah. sorts of things. So, Pushing people over. Yeah, so Pushing it people over. kept him nice and busy. Um, but yeah, so, so as this was your first time watching this, Justin, what are your impressions of Mad Max? Um, it's really interesting. Um, as I was mentioning um, before we started the podcast, um, that it's interesting to see a film from an earlier time in film like history where then no one everyone's like kind of following the same rules and people are trying things and and using some techniques that maybe have gone a little bit outdated but it's just it's nice to be surprised by film techniques so mm. i think i think that's very interesting about it i think it's definitely like a singular like uh, idea and a, and a piece of Pardon me, a piece of <laughs> film history that's very much its own. Justin, yeah. it's the baby that you're meant to burp. You're not meant to burp oh, on the baby. My bad. Okay, well, you know, sometimes daddies need to burp too. They do. Um, Rihanna, we figured out as we were watching yeah. this, this was also your first yeah, time it watching was, it. It was a classic Rihanna move of uh, <laughs> thinking that she's watched something when really uh, we sort of found out, yeah, I'd actually seen Mad Max. Uh, two, mm. uh, but because it was quite a while ago, I just had assumed. Oh, there's probably only one original Mad Max, right? <laughs> yeah. I've seen that. Well, I think it's interesting to make that comparison though, because I, I hadn't seen this one, but I had seen two right, in much yeah. the same way that you had, and yeah. I. Th- there are differences between those films. You can definitely tell that the second yeah. film is much more in line with what we know Mad Max to be. I think yeah, the the first one is even though it's you can kind of see it's a crumbling. Mm. Uh, like civilization and society, but there still is one there. Yeah. I was very surprised that the context was that Mad Ma- that that Max was a police officer on a police force, mm. like a very uh, like biker esque and and yeah. like yeah, very very uh, rev head police force, but still they were. Mm law and order trying to keep the peace it was quite interesting yeah it's it is intriguing to see that 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 sort of working society that's just about keeping it together you know Mm. there's there's kids with mullets you know there's um (laughs) you know we see that there's people taking holidays max takes a holiday halfway through this little vacation it's very much a world which hasn't fallen apart but is going through tough times and Mm. then we see by the time we get to two that the parts of the world that max is inhabiting have collapsed essentially yeah i almost feel like uh especially because in this one uh, max isn't really mad until no. you know the last five or ten minutes no he, so, he earns his his mad name right yeah he's a pretty sane max yeah. for hmm. most of it he's got his head screwed on that one sensible max yeah yeah, yeah. yeah he's, he's like quite the creation of mad max well it is it is yeah. it's 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 we discover how Max came to be mad. Yeah. Um, you know, he was a working family man. He's a guy who was very much, um, you know, you know, liked his, his wife that never wore pants and his child who they just <laughs> called Sprog. And you were thinking it's just a nickname. Yeah, a very, well, like, you know, Sprogo wants an ice cream. And we're like, oh, huh, classic Australian nickname there. And yeah. then they just then kept referring just kept to him as Sprog. Sprog yeah. So he was just Sprog. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever consider calling Lily Sprog or any variation? I'm there sure on? that at some point it was on the name list. Same. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, no. I mean, in the end, we decided against Sprog. It just didn't seem uh, right. Missed opportunity. I know. Certainly. Um, but yeah, we see we see a relatively normal Max, and he gets slowly drawn into the world that will be his life mm. for the other films that are now out yeah. of dealing with these just lunatic biker gangs, and in this particular case, led by the 
I'm going to say quite charismatic but completely deranged toe cutter. <laughs> He's who a... never actually cuts toes. He gets other people to do it for him. Yeah. Yes. It's yeah. We don't we don't see any toes being cut in the film, but it's a great nickname. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, who are you? He's toe cutter. <laughs> uh, how do you get that? Don't want to know. Uh, but yeah, it's a really. Capt- it is Lily. It's a really captivating performance, um, and all the the actors who are playing those those bikies, mm. um, this are just nuts. Oh, and the, the names are fantastic. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I can't remember any. Oh, um, like, uh, well, Bubba, obviously. Yeah. Um, the guy loses his hand. I, I forget what the name was, but it was mm-hmm. it was just brilliant. Just really silly, strange names. It uh, and it's that thing that that the other Mad Max films do. I think a bit better, but it's definitely present in this film, is the strange and weird world they're building around the film. Where there's things where you're looking at it and going, why is this like this? Mm. And it's never explained. And it's it sort of builds the world out. Um, yeah, it was... It, I'll be honest, I don't think this is a great film, but it is... <laughs> It is an interesting. <laughs> it's film. probably fair. Yeah. yeah, I think I think there are like there were lots of choices that we were uh, observing in the film, and we go, that doesn't really work, or that seemed a bit silly, or mm. like this needs more context. But I think it's a it's a, it's a seed of a really great idea mm. that I think with more money and a budget and more time, mm. they develop into something real, and, and then you know something fantastic by the time they get to Fury Road. Mm. So well, I mean that's that's a great point to jump onto, yeah. uh, Rihanna. You have seen. Fury Fury Road. Yes. At least we're fairly certain it's Fury yeah, I'm, Road. I mean, I'm pretty certain it could be Harry Potter, but you yeah. know, we'll find out. Um, so you saw Fury Road, um, and that was made almost 40 years. I mean, yeah. we're, we're watching this film because it's turning 40 mm. years old this year. But, you know, 35 to 40 years on, mm. George Miller gets to make another Mad Max film. Yeah. And it's, it's I, I found it to be a really thrilling, amazing adventure film. Um, but I think there's a lot of what that film becomes in this film. Yeah, you can definitely see uh, like a lot of elements uh, in the original Mad Max of, you know, what Fury Road is now. Mm. Uh, Like whether it's their like beat up cars that they just like randomly put, you know, appendages on, you know, they put like that little uh, mannequin doll on that one, on the one in this. Mm. But I don't know, in the Fury Road, there's like a, their cars are just massive, but they just build things on top of them as well. Yeah. So it is very much that like dystopian, like we're going to salvage everything like has like a price kind of mm. thing. Like everything is worth something. So we're going to put it on and keep it if we find it. Yeah. And it could be in this sort of loose sort of connected through line between all the films that as the films have gone on and time has passed and more of society has fallen apart, that those creations have become, necessarily become more tacked together mm. and you've got things like the 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 war machine and, and all these different rigs in in fury road which are you know cars v-dubs covered in spikes yeah. and uh, and you know just all these absolutely crazy things are built out of sort of a developing culture of mm. modification to these vehicles and playing around with them um it's it's really fascinating, and like, it, there's there are some ambitious stunts in this film, which mm. obviously Mad Max Fury Road is famous for its very ambitious and beautiful stunt work. No, I think I think I, w- I was quite impressed by what they were able to achieve, and and just what what they tried. Just mm. like there was some really really ambitious, just like carnage going on with all the, with all the even in the first scene, the first segment where we're chasing down Knight Rider, mm. just you know crashing through caravans and mm. and cars being totaled three four times in a row. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's it is spectacular. I thought the one where towards the end of the film, 
where the gang steal fuel from the truck. Yeah. And they they slow it down and they jump on top of it and they put the hose down and then they're hanging off the back and putting One it into the container. One guy bloody pole vaulting onto the... Yeah. yeah. And that was so just, yeah. just out of left field. It yeah. was. And the pole vaults come back into Fury Road. Mm. They're a big part of that yeah. film mm-hmm. where you've got these big poles moving around and just mm-hmm. crazy, yeah. crazy stuff. But I, th- I think then it's, it's really great that they sort of had... I mean, it's low budget. They're trying to do something. They've got this idea that they've got... These, these things going in their heads and they're trying to put them in the film and then it's great they've held on to those ideas mm. and developed them into something much bigger and better when, when they had the opportunity mm. with um, with Fury Road. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, the police force Max hangs out with are a bit interesting. Uh, there's yeah. obviously... Th- there's Jim Goose who yeah. is seen as just oh, being like he's, he's the cool hotshot He's a larger cop. than life. Uh, 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 kind of yeah. 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 And a bit of a ladies' man. Yeah. Twice as yeah, he's oh, it's in, it is interesting how you know you see Max who himself starts off the film kind of like a very cool mm-hmm. cop who's just like waiting for the the night rider yeah. to to come by at the and right all, time. He, can I just all he does is like make eye contact with the night rider and he just starts crying. Oh yeah, yeah. night no, no, like, rider just loses oh, it. Yeah, no. well, after oh, being God. this like big baddie that well, no one. Can I think take it's interesting. Down. Max psychs out night rider by yeah. beating him at that game of chicken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. It's interesting that that feeds into the psychology aspect of Max, where he wants to quit the police force after Goose gets well cooked. Yeah. Uh, because um, because <laughs> he goose. he re- recognizes he's got that madness in him. Yeah. He says, "I feel that that crazy that those guys have, and the only difference is that I'm a bronze, I'm a cop. Yeah, uh, I have a badge that lets me do this." And I think it's interesting they show that in that initial thing because you don't know he's married with a young kid at home when no. he does that. Yeah, and Justin, as someone who is married with a toddler, I don't think you'd do that if you were. <laughs> that's no, yeah. that, that's generally not in my daily sort of list of to dos. Yeah, play play chicken with a crazy driver. And yeah, then, and then come home to the wife and kids. No, excellent. So yeah, and that's and you know that's I'm gonna say a healthy mental attitude to have whereas Max <laughs> clearly doesn't have that no. um, and that's interesting that that's there I mean, it, was, it, was, it was a very interesting juxtaposition in the film anyway where we'd just seen him do all these crazy stunts be this real cool driver and then flash to just sitting at a table with his kid yeah mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was really interesting in in this weird seventies layout of a house. Yeah, <laughs> it, w- it was, and it was, um, oh. it was, it, it was interesting seeing that, and then seeing how you know he he tries to leave that life because he wants to be with his his wife and kid. They ultimately get killed by the gang, oh. or at least we know that Sprague dies. His wife yes. is in a hospital and all her organs are, are messed oh, up. Yeah, I forgot towards the end. They no, never, no, she no, was, we yeah. never found out. Was she okay? But, I, mean, I mean, like, she's alive. Because the, the doctors guess... were like, oh, just tell him that she's fine. You know? <laughs> I'm like, surely that's not what mm. hospitals do, right? No, it's a post-apocalypse. They've, <laughs> yeah. got, they've, got, to, they've got to sort some stuff out. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it is interesting how that attack becomes the catalyst for him to become, mm. well, what he becomes that's in the future films. It, the road snap. warrior. Mm. Yeah. And it's... It's 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 interesting that once he loses those constraints, and also the fact that he loses Goose, who's this role model to mm. him, um, it's yeah that 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 means that he he becomes the anti-hero. He becomes a vigilante, mm. which is what he is in the next film. He's yeah. he's the road warrior, mm. um, and yeah, it's it is curious. I also quite liked his discussions with uh, Fifi or uh, <laughs> Fifi. Yeah, uh, McAfee, the most uh, the captain, the uh, <laughs> mostly shirtless police captain, yes, with his black scarf. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he uh, was. I'll be honest, he had was a bit great. of style. I really, yeah. I really yeah. liked him just as a yeah. as a presence and as a performer in this film. Yeah. It, it was great. 
Um, but the rest of those cops were, there really wasn't that much of a difference between them mm. and the gangsters. You saw the two cops at yeah. the beginning. One of them's using a sniper rifle to look at two people having sex in the bush. Mm. Yeah. And then the other one is just endangering people by crashing the car again and again. <laughs> yeah. But there was the, there was very much that, that link being made there that like, really the only difference is that they're on the different side of the same fence. Mm. They're both sort of crazed by the, by driving and, and, and roads and, and mm. they, they all just want to like, feel the wheel between the hands and I don't know like drive fast and stuff so yeah the only one who seemed reasonable was Charlie who obviously was the subject of the immortal line Charlie's copped a saucepan in the throat (laughs) (laughs) Um, Uh, those types don't survive the force kid no well I mean he's there with the voice changer halfway Mm. through the film going we gotta stop him which again it's part of that thing that Mad Max does really well um, as, as a series which is where you've got that additional detail mm-hmm. um now in charlie's case we see why it happens he gets hit by the saucepan mm-hmm. he loses the use of his voice he is the voice box but you might meet another character like charlie in the series who yeah. just turns up with the voice box and you're like how did that happen like you don't often get the explanation mm-hmm. um and yeah it was just it's a really interesting film but it's it's not a good film is it i feel like yeah it's it's one that i like i'm glad to have watched but i won't be in a rush to watch it again i think that i think mm. because there's so many ideas in it and you can see that the you know the like the writers and the directors have just had all these ideas and they just wanted to put them all in there mm. uh yeah. and you even mentioned as well Stephen, that um you know they did shave that down quite dramatically yeah they, they everything else that they filmed they filmed a fair bit more than yeah. was eventually shown so so many more crazy ideas as yeah. well yeah, um, obviously lots of... I think they kept pretty much all the stunts in, yeah. or the majority of <laughs> well, them. Couldn't help themselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, it was... It, I mean, Justin, you're, you, I mean, you're also a first-time viewer of this film, <laughs> uh, but in the official capacity as our first-time viewer. <laughs> yes. Um, like, I, I, I just don't think that the story... Whilst it was an, an interesting uh, story, I don't think it was very well told in a sense there were there were lots of chunks missing and while sometimes that's acceptable and 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 and, and, you know you you grasp at the straws you can get i think this i found it very interesting that for an apocalyptic film we didn't really get any setup about what had happened for the apocalypse we we have to go searching elsewhere to find out what that is um so I, I just think, like, if, if you just came to the fu- film sort of without any context, mm. I'm not sure what you really get out of it mm. as far as understanding what's happening with this world, yeah. why why everyone's behaving like this, why, why they were talking in this weird yeah, <laughs> slang language. Well, yeah. I think if you watch this film overseas, you would just think this was an Australian film. <laughs> I, don't, I, yeah. I think you would look at it oh, and go... Man. I mean, we That's do... what's happening them, now. Them right? Aussies, look, look at how they behave. We yeah. do call kids sprogs. <laughs> uh, I, I'm sure I would have heard someone say, you know, copter sauce trope. <laughs> I've heard someone use the phrase duck's nuts or duck's guts. Like oh, um, eating a turkey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, uh, you know, these are things which are very much part of the Australian identity. I suppose looking at it from uh, this Australian perspective, because we're looking at Australian films this mm-hmm. month, Mad Max is one of this country's big cultural icons in terms mm. of film. And it's really interesting that it essentially starts out as a very sort of upper end it, it, you said it had the feel of like a student film 
but just, a really well-made yeah, ex- one. Exactly, in, in, in a sense that, like, they're just bringing together everything they can and, every, and all these different friends they have with know-how. It's been like, you, you know how to jump off a bike, don't you? You do that. Or you, mm. you know how to smash yeah. through a uh, caravan, don't you? You can do that. And then we'll just we'll put these things together and we'll make a film. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and, and also there were a couple of story elements, things like... Um, I think it partly feeds into that stunt nature when Goose, his bike is sabotaged, but that doesn't kill him or even injure him. He no. just then just gets shakes it off. He, doesn't he? shakes it off, get, borrows a friend's truck, puts the bike in the back. Gets then, plenty of time to borrow the truck yeah. and just wander off while the bikers are trying to set up the next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then yeah, just gets ambushed again and then set on fire and and ultimately mm-hmm. killed in that way. Um, Although well, not no, killed, he was still alive. I don't think he would have lived very long. <laughs> Yeah, I think he was alive in the hospital, but mm-hmm. then he probably probably may have yes. fizzled out. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, yes. So as, uh, as Max said, that wasn't goose. That wasn't Not goose. goose at all. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I have to be honest. Okay, this is Mel Gibson. This is baby Mel Gibson that we're watching mm-hmm. in this. Such a young Mel Gibson. Such a young Mel Gibson. Uh, what do we think of his performance? Because he's he's obviously the one that went on from this to become a big Hollywood film star. Ten years later, he's making Lethal Weapon. Mm-hmm. You know, he's yeah. he's a big star. What do we think of him? I don't think it was his best. <laughs> <laughs> Fairly, fa- I mean, like I know, I know he plays that very cool and mute kind of character in other films. I feel like maybe there was a little bit mm, too little in this. Yeah, yeah, doesn't I, doesn't give us a hell of a lot. No, and that's partly because it's relatively simple in terms of yes. how the character is structured. Yes, but I don't think he's doing. I don't think he's the best choice for this film. Even though mm. in the later films, like in two and and. Beyond Thunderdome, he's he's better, obviously. Mm. Um, but I think yeah, you yeah. kind of you you want Mad Max to be, especially in you know the the creation story, you want him to be this really lovable, really relatable kind of guy. And then when bad things are happening to him, you're like, oh no, like poor poor mate Max over here. <laughs> Whereas I I think in this, it's kind of just like. Oh, this is just a standoffish guy. We're not really getting to know him that well. Mm. We think he's got some like he's proud of his dad, we find out at one yeah, point. Yeah, that was that I, was a strange but, uh, context that just yeah, didn't it felt linked to anything. Completely pointless. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. like yeah. yeah, you're having this lovely romantic picnic together, but the story didn't really go anywhere. It was it was the bug smashing story from Game of Thrones. It just th- felt yeah. really pointless and I wasted a lot was, of screen time. That was just the writers wanting us to love him a little bit and be like, yeah. see, he oh, is. A yeah. Oh, oh no, we, we, Max isn't lovable enough. We better get him to talk about his dad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, his everyone loves shoes. dad. <laughs> um, did we have a favorite moment from this film? Just, just one image or a. It's, it's got to be the eyes popping. That, that yeah, choice when Toe Cutter, uh, yeah, when, finally meets yeah, his match. Yeah, when, when, when Toe Cutter is getting, getting hit by the truck, and there's just two quick shots of the eyes popping even further out of it. Just beautiful. Mine, Filmmaking be, you would never see again. Yeah, <laughs> mine's got to be the, um, the pointless, uh, bike and sidecar. Thing. Just in there. I, oh, okay. Man. Pointless, right? but, Pointless but, but super cool. Clearly, they just went, "Oh my god, somebody has this! How yeah. do we get it in the film?" Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. I'd love to sit in that little sidecar. Yeah, and just have a little my dance. Head Beautiful, yeah. Just yeah. have my head sticking out. Uh, that's fantastic. Um, <laughs> for me, I would have. I would have to say it's the um, the inclusion of the the old lady with the shotgun. Oh, oh man! Which again yes. ties into Fury Road, mm. where not. Not to spoil it for you, Justin, but I will tell you that there is numerous old ladies mm-hmm. with weapons. Fantastic. Um, oh, and she's... Sounds very, like my she kind of like film. She's like the real MVP. Oh, yeah. right, yeah. yeah. Just 
owned them. She wasn't mm. a great shot, but no, but, no. but she just yeah. just had the cojones. She had, she had yeah. gusto. Oh yeah. man, she took yeah. that recall like a champ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it was it was really really great to to see that. But ultimately, I think it's yes, Lily. I I, I agree. I I felt I that the opening lady. chase sequence was quite well constructed. <laughs> <laughs> I know that was your favorite bit because that was the only bit you were watching. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, but yeah, it's ultimately it's 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 an important film, but it's I think it's I don't think it stands the test of time that well. No. Like it looks, it looks forty years old, which yeah. of the films from that time period, maybe even earlier, don't. Now that's possibly because those other films aren't being as ambitious as George mm. Miller and and the Mad Max crew are being with this, but. Um, it does show its age in large parts. Mm. Mm. Living on the edge and trying some things, which mm. like you've got to respect, but the the film is also going to suffer from those that stretching. Mm. Uh, what do we think of Johnny? Um, he the, the the laughing lunatic um, bikey guy who. Uh, the, I th- Johnny the boy, the young one. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what? Do you know what it made me think of? It made me think of Reavers from Firefly, and just like. Um, Young, like like the 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 boy in in fire, sorry in yeah, in, in Firefly who'd been um like who'd seen all the horrors the Reavers had done, kind of got indoctrinated into their way of being. There was a bit of that about him of like mm. he's been around all this horror, he's been raised by these crazy bikey people, and he's kind of been indoctrinated by all of their like. Yep, Knight Rider and and uh, you know, road road is religion kind of you know, mm. lifestyle, and he and I, I just found it very interesting um, at the end that there was a lot of blaming his psychology for his yeah. behaviour. That yeah. was that was quite an interesting little context <laughs> bit at the end. Yeah, it was. It's and not. It's not me. I'm just a psychopath. Yeah, <laughs> and it was. It's in- not me. I promise. <laughs> I'm just nuts. Uh, but the I also quite liked mm. the scenes with him and with Toe Cutter, mm. particularly Toe Cutter making him light the match that would mm. kill Goose or set Goose on fire. There was a um, bit of a father-son thing going on there. Yeah. It was kind of like yeah. like moulding him, being like... Yeah. Yeah, well, good. I think ultimately that's what it is. And I think it's also really interesting that Max kind of sets him... Almost invents the Saw franchise at the end when he decides to... <laughs> he's found him next to the wrecked car. He handcuffs him to it. He puts the lit uh, lighter yeah. near uh, leaking fuel and says, now you can cut through the handcuffs in 10 minutes or your ankle in five. <laughs> Make your choice, yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's oh, yeah. Johnny Johnny didn't have a great time, but I thought it was a really interesting performance. Mm. Yeah, I think out of all of them, I think his was probably a more uh, like he just really went for it. Yeah, which oh, I yeah. thought was good, and it, but it like it worked. I didn't think it seemed uh, like as cheesy as a lot of the other performances. Like yeah, it, it was to a degree, but. Yeah, no, I, I I think he was one of the more standout mm-hmm. characters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think him and Toe Cutter, definitely. Mm. Although Bubba's quite good in his sort of standoffish, uh, creepy, nether-blinking sort of then way. Then again, the, the, you feel like him and Max could just like have a stare-off and just, just be like blank yeah. in the scene together. They just seem like very much like yeah. cut of the same thread. Yeah. I think two. that game of chicken would have ended with both cars just oh, yeah. plowing oh, into each done. other. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the movie done. Yeah. Start, you know? <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> yes. Would you guys like some trivia about Mad Max? Oh, I'd love sure, that. why Let's not? 
The get-out-of-jail-free card that Goose gives to the Triker was an on-set joke. Because of the limited budget, the biker gang was an actual biker gang, uh, the, oh. vi- the vigilantes. Uh, and they had to ride to set in costume every day, often with their prop weapons on display. Since the production company expected them to get pulled over by the local police, they were each given a letter explaining the film's peculiar requirements and asking for the law's understanding and co- oh, wow. cooperation. That's beautiful. So it was an actual get-out-of-jail-free card. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. So yeah, it was, yeah, and it, there was a lot of a, a lot of um, interactions with the Victorian Police Department, which we will get to as we go. Oh. Um, yes, George Miller raised money for Mad Max by working as an emergency room doctor, oh. uh, and it's also partly the reason why he was sort of inspired to do this because he saw injuries whilst working as a doctor of people in bikes and essentially went oh i wonder how that happened is that also <laughs> where he learned how doctors are such jerks I, maybe <laughs> that's why he yeah. put the that jerk doctors in the end yeah. <laughs> yeah. yes oh, quite dear. possibly um hugh keys burn who plays toe cutter went on to play in morton joe in mad max fury there road now i don't think his eyes pop at any point in that film but is one um, eyebrow shaved no, he's got the big fluffy eyebrows. Oh, so oh. yeah, I one in this one. Yeah, mm. but I, I just think it's really cool they got him back to play. Yeah, the big mask wearing sort of. Bring me my wife. Yeah. That guy's yeah. It's, it's kind of nice though, because I, I bet like obviously when this was made, they probably weren't expecting it to make a lot of money at all. So mm. it's nice. Or to that, really go anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's so. now that ni- mm-hmm. it's nice that Mad Max is now like you know multi billion dollars. That they, yeah. they're using the same actors. It's quite it's quite a lovely little. You know, circle, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it sure is. Yeah. Um, Tim Burns, who played Johnny the Boy, was in character quite a lot. Uh, oh, that sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so much so that he annoyed quite a lot of people on set oh. and was abandoned one day during lunch when they left him handcuffed to the wreck. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, lunch break. What takes you get for method acting. Yeah, yeah that's it. <laughs> now, lunch break uh, lasts for 10 minutes. Yeah. But you can cut through your ankle in five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Mel Gibson didn't go to the audition for this film to read a part. He actually went along with his sister who was auditioning. Uh, Because he had been in a bar fight the night before, his head looked like, quote, a black and blue pumpkin. (laughs) (laughs) That's how he described himself. Um, He was told that he could come back and audition for the film in three weeks' time because, quote, we need freaks, end quote. Um, He did return in three weeks' time but wasn't recognized because he'd healed and was asked to read for the part of Max. Was, oh, did his sister get the perfect. part? No, she's not in the film. Oh, see, oh. that's a bit of a kick. I know, right? That's God, like, poor oh, sister. Can you yeah. just come with me? I've just got to audition. That's mm. like, oh, who's yeah. this guy you're standing next to? Yeah. <laughs> that's like classic like TV yeah. series drama, isn't it? Oh, mm. no, we, we don't want you, but we'll take your brother <laughs> and make him famous. Uh, the first scene shot was that of Johnny breaking the chain on the overpass phone. It's hurried because uh, not only because it was part of the storyline that he was in a rush, but it was also because the film company didn't have permission to shoot on that overpass. Oh, no. It <laughs> uh, sounds like something they did a fair bit in this film. <laughs> and it, Well, admittedly, yeah, they were amateurs to an extent, and mm-hmm. so they didn't necessarily have the permits a lot of the time. Other times they were just closing roads themselves to be able to do things. Um, but, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but they when the police found out and they were like, oh, it's actually pretty cool. The police helped them in some cases close oh, the roads. Well, that's very nice. Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, there you go. Uh, most of the extras in this film were paid in beer. Oh. Uh, only in Australia. 
That's like a classic buy and sell page, isn't it? Like, <laughs> come and, come need, to this scene, need, we'll give you Need a actors, beer. yeah, we'll give you beer. Yeah, can't uh, yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah, that, that, that one fact alone made me go, yeah, this is, this is definitely an Australian film. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, Miller's past as a doctor is referenced in the St. George's Hospital scene. Um, Mad Max, his last name is Rokotansky, which mm-hmm. is on the side of his car. Now, that might seem like a really strange name. Rokotansky mm. to have. He's actually named after a 19th century pathologist, Karl von Rokitansky, slightly spelling, different mm-hmm. spelling, uh, the originator of the Rokitansky procedure, which is the most common method for the removal of organs in an autopsy. Wow. There you go. Okay. Deep. Yeah. Well, indeed, that's why they have to be removed. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so and that, that is where that name comes from. It's literally George Miller being a big old medical nerd. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, lovely. Crossing his world. Mm. <laughs> Uh, George Miller described the whole experience as guerrilla filmmaking, where the crew would close roads without the filming permits. Uh, they wouldn't use the, their walkie-talkies because they were worried that the police radios would pick them up. <laughs> so it made communication quite difficult. And after they'd finished filming on the roads they didn't have permission to, Miller and uh, Byron Kennedy would sweep down the roads to make sure there was no debris. <laughs> Oh wow! Oh, so God. yeah, Move their wreck. <laughs> so yeah, they they you know it was guerrilla filmmaking, yeah. and that there is a real sense of that in in this film. Very student theater. Yeah. Oh, sorry, student film. What mm. am I saying? Uh, Hugh Keysburn modeled his performance of Toe Cutter after historical <gasps> records written about the Mongolian warlord Genghis Khan. Ah, which you can get a bit of that. You know, the riding around, yeah. causing a ruckus, that that sort of thing. <sighs> it's just such a singular character. Like I, I, just, I feel like I've never. Seen Seen like uh, a lead, like biker guy perform in such a way. It mm. was very, yes. It's very unique. Yes. And captivating. And makes for mm-hmm. this film a bit more interesting. Mm. Particularly the bit where he like licks um, Jesse's ice cream. Mm-hmm. Just all the, all the weird clicks and hisses he has to communicate with people. Yeah. 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 yeah it, and, 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 like and, and something, it just hisses. <laughs> they all knew exactly what it was on about. Yeah. yeah. Um, before the film was released in the United States, distributor American International Pictures dubbed over the actors' speaking parts. Even <gasps> so it didn't have rude. the like, Australian... Well, m- more just because they couldn't understand it. Yeah. <laughs> so I it mean, was... to be fair. Yeah. So all, the, all the weird lingo, they're like, we don't get any of yeah. what they're saying here. We're just going to have to dub it all. Yeah. What the well, hell are ducks it. guts? <laughs> <laughs> uh, even Mel himself was dubbed over. So like everyone was, was dubbed. Wow. The 2002 special edition DVD was the first US release that featured the original Australian language oh track. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's nuts. Yeah, so for any American listeners uh, to this podcast, uh, there will be uh, people reading in for Rihanna and for Justin, um, <laughs> just, just so you can hear. Lily, um, yeah, we'll probably dub in Lily with, a, with an American baby. So it should with be... an American yeah. baby. Yeah. Mommy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, okay, we won't, we won't, we won't. Sorry, Lil. Ooh. Um. Sheila Florence broke her knee when she tripped whilst running with the antique shotgun. Um, she returned to complete her scenes with her leg and hip in a plaster. Wait, was that the the older lady? Yeah. So oh. maybe those leg braces were actually real. Yeah, nice. mm-hmm. I did see, like, because yeah. there was the bandage yeah. under them. So maybe they were like, oh, let's just make a full thing of this and just yeah. give her leg yeah, braces as well. Mm-hmm. 
How'd you break your leg, Sheila? So While I was running I was with a shotgun. <laughs> so. I was being a badass. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely fantastic. Uh, in a 2015 interview with the uh, the Q and A uh, with Jeff's Goldsmith podcast, that's a very long title. Who'd have a podcast with a title that long? Uh, George Miller said that it was not the intention when the script was written to set it in a post-apocalyptic world. Um, this just ended up being done because they didn't have money for extras and properly maintained buildings. So, <laughs> they just oh, had to find decrepit buildings. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, what What was the justification for the the weird? Uh, it's like, well, like it's Roadhog obsession. It slowly became post apocalyptic mm-hmm. over the production. Okay. They yeah. didn't start out in the script going, "This is go. what it needs to be," but they adapted to their environment. Um, so it's just going to be a bunch of bikey hooligans running around causing trouble. I guess, in yeah. I guess. Uh, in order to cover for this production value limitation, there was a title card added to the beginning explaining uh, the story was set after a world war. Now, that wasn't on our version. No, it wasn't. Mm. Um, so Netflix Australia, you need to fix that. Yeah. because um, all, it, all it said was a few years from now. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I was like, mm, really? Okay. <laughs> but, but that would also explain why there's more of an established society in this film as opposed to the sequels which happen later. Mm. Like, yes, society yes, does break down. Uh, a lot of the stunt driving in this movie was illegal and done quickly before authorities could find out. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, oh, dear. yeah, nicely done there. Um, screenwriter James McCausland drew heavily from his observations of the 1973 oil crisis effects on Australian motorists. Uh, he said, uh, yet there were further signs of the desperate measures individuals would take to ensure mobility. A couple of oil strikes that hit many pumps revealed the ferocity with which Australians would defend their right to fill a tank. Long queues formed at the stations with petrol, and anyone who tried to sneak ahead in the queue was met with raw violence. George and I wrote the script based on the thesis that people would do almost anything to keep vehicles moving, and the assumption that nations would not consider the huge costs of providing infrastructure for alternative energy until it was too late. That sounds right. True. It's not nice that that's quite true. Yeah, uh, that, that, that is coming to fruition. But yeah. it's a very interesting um, discussion, very interesting way to build a script from, to, yeah. to, to base it on that idea of people yeah. needing to keep moving. Just how important is your car to you? Well, and then you look at, you <laughs> go from Mad Max 1 to Fury Road, where, you know, it's it's the religion. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, it's the people, witness me! <laughs> you know, yeah. they're covering themselves in chrome. They're using people's blood to keep the cars moving, mixed yeah. with fuel. Like, it's, it's all this, like, super messed yeah. up stuff, but yeah. it's all about movement. It's all yeah. about keeping it moving. And Mad Max Fury Road as a film keeps moving. It mm. really doesn't let up. And that ideology feeding back in, be, being there from the very beginning, and then being fed back in throughout the series, I think is brilliant. It's mm. genuinely fantastic. Um, most of the biker gang extras were members of actual Australian outlaw motorcycle clubs and so rode their own motorbikes in the film. That's great, because then you don't have to pay for bikes. <laughs> yeah, although the ones who were from Sydney uh, couldn't fly them over, so they rode from Sydney to Melbourne to oh, do wow. the filming. So, yeah, just a big old biker holiday. Yeah. Um, and finally, Mel Gibson and Steve Bisley were pulled over by a highway patrolman whilst driving to the location in their V8 interceptor and wearing their future cop fetish gear. Fantastic. I love that we refer to it as fetish gear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, just the idea of like Max and Goose being pulled over by actual police officers. Uh, what yeah. are you doing, sir? Yeah. Um... <laughs> <laughs> sound fake but we're about to film something 
filming. <laughs> but even then, like, are you even allowed to say that you're filming? Because you, you know that they haven't gotten a permit mm. to do yeah. so. That's very true. Oh, God. So maybe yeah. you do just say oh. we're on our way to a, a bondage yeah. party. Yeah. It's all about no, the, just, uh, you know, yeah. it's okay. We're, we're, mm-hmm. we're bondage cops. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Have a good night, sir. Have a good one. <laughs> yes. Would you like a beer? Like pay, pay the cops <laughs> off in beer? It probably Beautiful. would work. Work for the extras. Yeah, exactly. Um, so... That brings us to the end of the trivia, and that brings us to the end of this podcast. All that remains is to score the film. Ooh. Justin, we'll start with you. What would you give Mad Max out of 10? Uh, I think it can probably have like two and a half <laughs> eye-popping car crashes or bike crashes. That yeah. low? Uh, two but, and a half. That's, okay. that's what I'm going to give it. I that, think, that's I think, I think it's, it's, it's halfway towards a good film, but I think there's still lots of problems with it. So the, uh, the seed is good. But there's lot, lots more they can do the with it. The seed is good, but the crop is bad. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. what, what score are you going to give it, Rihanna? Um, oh, I'm just going to go straight down the middle and give it a give it a five fetishes. <laughs> oh, it's out of ten. Yeah. Oh, no. It's out of ten. Can I redo? Oh, no. Did you, sorry. Yes, it's out I of ten. I thought it was out of five. No. I thought you were being very harsh. I know. I was like, <laughs> no. two. Wow. So, five. Yes. Five as well. Okay. Yes. That's fair. I will, Can we redo? <laughs> I will complete this uh, trifecta of fives by also saying five out of ten. Yes. It's not great, but it's interesting. Yes. yes. And I think yeah. that, you know, I think there is a big difference between something that's not necessarily well executed, but it's interesting, as opposed to something that is not very well executed and is not interesting. Yeah. If, yes. if that had yeah. been a really boring run-of-the-mill film, I don't think we'd have a multi-million dollar franchise no. out of it. No, and we, we probably wouldn't have finished watching it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so oh, that's a good point. I don't think we've ever gotten to a point where we've stopped watching the film. That's a new challenge. It's a new, new challenge. challenge. New challenge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, bad. we got through Spice World, so... Oh, that's because Spice World is historical. It is a thing yeah, of beauty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay. Uh, you got Meatloaf as the bus driver. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, if look, if if Mad Max do a film where Meatloaf is driving a bus um, with spikes sticking out of it, yeah. maybe firing literal spice out of it, yes. blinding everyone behind yeah. him. Then, then maybe I'll rescind that. And that's a movie. Yes. Uh, but that is all for this week. So, Justin, Rihanna, and Lily, thank you very much for joining me on this episode. You're very thank welcome. Thank you. And for those of you listening at home, thank you very much for listening. This is, as we said, the first of five films that we're covering in the month of January uh, that are from this fair nation of Australia. If you'd like to find out what the other films are that's coming up, you can find us on Facebook. Just search for The Cinema Catch-Up Club. The links to the episodes will be posted there each and every week. Uh, I'd rather subscribe to something that just automatically came to my phone or tablet or laptop device. Well, we've got you covered as well. All you need to do is go to The Cinema Catch-Up Club on iTunes, SoundCloud or other podcast and podcatching services and you can get it just given to you every week bam like that and of course there is the patreon for those who want to uh, join the club and get a few bonus extras uh, if you want to do that all you have to do is go to patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast but that's all for this week so until next time goodbye goodbye You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. Oh, he copped a saucepan in the throat. (laughs) (laughs) Our American dubs. Catch you later.
Bye, y'all. <laughs> I am really glad that I was didn't stop recording that. Because <laughs> I've got it forever. Bye.